Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Man City Show, it's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. No game to review, but still lots to talk about this week. Uh, so so far this this season, four Premier League wins in four matches. Top of the league, Super Cup also secured. It's the international break, but who cares? Uh, I've got four, th- four guests, four trophies, but only three guests. Uh, welcome to Sarah Messenger. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Nigel. Paul Stato-Demby's here. Hi, Paul. Hi Nigel, always good to be here. Marvellous. And last but not least, certainly, is Spencer Debson. Hi Spencer. Good evening, Nigel. Listen, um, let's let's start. Let's a bit of an opportunity with no game to uh, look back. We've obviously got West Ham to look forward to at the weekend, of course. Uh, but let's just kind of look back, Sarah, a little bit and review the season so far. I kind of did say four league games, four victories, top of the league. But actually, we're not playing that well, are we? What's going to happen when we start playing properly? Good question. Hopefully we stay at the top of the league. I mean, it's uh, it, a lot of people commenting on the fact that we usually start the season slowly. And I guess in terms of our performances, we have. But the difference this time is we've managed to secure maximum points from those games where we've not played. Particularly, we've had spells of being OK, but we haven't put a devastating performance in yet. And yet, uh, you could argue the fixture list has been kind to us as well. Um, and we're sitting there with 12 points from four games. It, you know, it, who, what's not to like about that when, as I say, we normally start slowly and we've quite a lot of seasons, even when we won the league, we played catch up from quite an early stage. So long may it continue that we keep everyone else at arm's length. I, I thought it was interesting. Just one other thing, the the uh, comment that um, Carl Walker is alleged to have made around rallying the troops and saying oh aren't we all let's I'm sick of playing catch-up why don't we just go out and hammer everybody from the start and get well ahead and leave them in there leave them in their, uh, in our trail like we did in uh, I think 1819 so if that's what he said to them it's working uh, it's fair to say that I know we've had uh, those four results Newcastle was a good one to get out of the way wasn't it Stato I think as well because they've uh, a team that have been going strongly and uh so to, we say that sort of the fixture have been kind to us, but Newcastle was a good one to get off our back, wasn't it? It certainly was. I mean, Newcastle obviously had a great season last season, um, getting into the Champions League. They've not got off to a wonderful start this season, but they've had some tough games. Uh, I think that was our best performance was Newcastle. I think we all feared it before the game, having just come back from our European venture where we won the Super Cup. And we're all a little bit nervous before that game. 
Uh, the other three games, uh, yes, we were comfortable-ish. Yeah, Sheffield United, we had to fight for a win because they got that late equaliser before Rodri scored the, the winner. We, we haven't played brilliantly. We've done enough to win the four games. And if I go back to last season, I think we probably didn't play brilliantly in a lot of games in the early part of the season either. We sort of take a while to warm up. And as Sarah said a moment ago, we've been a little fortuitous with our fixtures. We've had three teams that, uh, two of them at least, will struggle. Burnley, Sheffield United. Fulham at best will be a mid-table team. And Newcastle, who knows? Uh, I think the real test will come in October. I think we've got three tough games in October, or two tough ones, and then a visit to the Swamp. Um, but we'll see where we get to. I, I'm reasonably comfortable at the moment. Uh, Spencer, uh, your your reflections on those first three games, those first four games? Yeah, I think I think as Paul and and Sarah have said, we we haven't been firing on all cylinders. The difference, frankly, has been Erling Haaland. Uh, I mean, some of those goals are goals that you know opportunistic Haaland only uh, can score. Um, and so I think we've we've uh, we're delighted to have four wins under our belt, particularly the Newcastle uh, win, which I think was very merited and, and was our best performance so far. Um, you know, we've got Nunes coming in, and we'll come on to talk about about these things, I'm sure. Um, but but pretty happy where we sit right now. Um, and uh, you know, between now and the end of October, uh, you know, the, the, the league should settle down a little bit, and we'll see what the realities are. Well, let's come on to the new boys now, then, Spencer. As you've raised it, um, you can start wherever you like. Um... We obviously lost sort of Mares and, and Gundogan were kind of the two biggest, Gundogan particularly, and then Laporte's gone as well, and and and, and Cole Palmer. We'll, we'll, I think we'll come on to Cole Palmer separately because that's a, one bit of big news, I think, since we were lost on the pod. Um, but in terms of the new boys coming in, who stood out for you? Who are the ones that most excite you? I mean, it's, it's early days, isn't it? I mean, when when at the start of the um, the transfer season and we had all these exits uh, and we were thinking, oh, blimey, everyone else seems to be... Um, signing people and we're not um, and then Guardiola came in clearly a quality signing although uh, in the defensive area um, and then really right until uh, the last few weeks um, I think you know Doku's come in Nunes has come in um, and I, I, I wonder whether you know the Nunes um, transfer would have happened without uh, KDB's injury potentially not um, but all said um, Nunes is does excite me. Uh, we haven't seen anything of him yet, but I, I love watching him in uh, in the wolf shirt. Um, and I think um, slotting into Pep's system is exactly the sort of player we need. Um, the forward offensive um, midfielder who's got some creativity in there. Um, so I'm excited to see him. Um, and I mean, Doku had um, uh, a debut that you you know you can't judge on that debut, but he certainly showed flashes there uh, that he's got great potential. And of course, you know, in, under Pep's tutelage, uh, these players seem to really um, a understand what the system is in 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 the fullness of time, uh, and b really improve as players. So those two, um, Doku and Nunes, are are very exciting prospects and we look forward to seeing them develop um, hopefully during the course of this season. Sarah, your thoughts on these four new new boys? I think, um, I mean, I agree with what Spencer said about um, Docker and Nunes, too early to judge, but both actually exciting signings in their own way. Uh, I mean, we can't not mention Kovacic, can we, and the seamless way that he's integrated himself into the midfield and looks as if he's been playing for Pep for about eight years. So, He's certainly a good signing. And the early signs with Guardiola are also very positive. So, um, I, you know, I, 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 I'm, pretty, I'm pretty pleased with our transfer business. And um, I, I think there's a, 
there's an interesting question about whether um, whether we're, we're better off than we were at the start of last season in terms of the quality of personnel. My personal view is I think we are better off. I think Guardiola is probably an upgrade on Laporte, much as I like Laporte, um, and so, or certainly will be an upgrade on him. Um, you know, we can't, there's no direct replacement for Gundogan, and he was a unique player with... But let's be frank, none of us were overly excited about Gundogan for the first season and a half. I know he was injured for quite a long time, but he wasn't set in as a light at the time and came to be a very important player. I, I suspect that Nunes and or Kovacic will turn into goal-scoring midfielders once they've got used to Pep's system. So, And Doku, we haven't had a good Wio. We haven't had an exciting winger for a while, have we, since Leroy left. So all of them, actually, I think, bode well for us. Uh, I disagree with Sarah Stato, so you can back me up here, please. I think Sarah's saying that uh, the great Gunduan, we've got better, we've got, we've recruited better now. Gunduan's gone. I think were the words Sarah used. Uh, I'm pretty much uh, quoting a like, like for like. That she's wrong. Would agree with. I think that's a grotesque misquote, actually, (laughs) Nigel. But I'll let I'll let Paul come in. (laughs) I second that one, Sarah. (laughs) Thank you, Spencer. (laughs) I've just done that to me several times, so I understand what. Uh, what do I think? I think it's very difficult to judge. Uh, I'm sitting on the fence a bit here, which I don't normally do, because the four players that we have replaced, Palmer, Gundogan, Mares, Laporte, with four similarish uh, positional players at least, it's going to be really tough to follow what the four that were involved last season did. We won the treble. It's highly unlikely we'll win the treble again. That doesn't mean to say the team is better or worse. There's an element of you know, a little bit of luck in the knockout competitions. We all know that. If we win the league again this season, you would say light for light, we've done very, very well in terms of transfer window, replacing the four that have left. Um, I think the jury's still out. Nunes hasn't played a game for us, hasn't kicked a ball yet. Um, Gradial and Kovacic have played well in the games that we've seen so far. And Doku, on his one appearance, did reasonably well. Much, much too early to say whether they're going to be as good as the four players we lost. But um, optimistic that we'll be there or thereabouts in all the competitions. That's all you can say at this stage. Let me seriously let Sarah come back and, and uh, obviously challenge what I said. I misquote you all the time, Sarah, how rude. Uh, but but you did kind of imply, actually, that uh, we've got uh, a bit of a an upgrade on what we had, is kind of what you implied. I, I kind of disagree. Mares best touch in world football... Gunduan scored important goals, what a servant, won everything under him. Can you really say, and, and Laporte was a great servant, we liked him as well. Um, okay, Cole Palmer, we'll, we're going to have a separate discussion about him. Are you really saying that Guardiol, Nunes, Doku and Kovacic are, are an upgrade on those four? Well, let, let's let's leave Palmer to one side and, and, and I'll quickly rattle through the list and clarify what I said, Nigel, so you can... Please do. For, the, for, our, for our seven but, listeners, we'll need to... Indeed, know indeed. Uh, yeah, um... What what I I mean, having the greatest first touch in world football is clearly a major attribute that Mares had. But actually, having a great first touch and no end product, and I'm not saying he didn't have end product, but you know, he, he frustrated more than he delivered Mares, in my opinion, towards the end of his City career. Um, that you know, great servant for us. No disrespect to what he contributed, but I wasn't devastated that he left. Um, and I'm very interested to see what Doku does. Paul's right. It's too early to say whether we're going to end up at the end of the season crying that we lost Mara's and wishing he'd come back. Um, you know, again, it's early days, but 
Laporte was a really good defender and he played very well for us whenever we relied on him. But I do think Guardiol is going to be um is going to be a better standard of defender once he's got used to playing for City. And, and you failed to mention walk, you failed uh, to I'm, mention Gundogan. Can you I'm coming Gundogan? to him. I haven't forgotten him. Uh, at no point oh, did I good. say he's that, only been gone five minutes. <laughs> at he no was point all right. did I say that Nunes or Kovacic were a direct replacement for Gundogan. In fact, I think what I said, and we'll check later, won't we, Nigel? I think what I said was you can't replace Gundogan. He's quite a, uh, he was a unique player. And uh-huh. in terms of his ability in midfield, both to protect the ball, win the ball, pass the ball, and of course to arrive in the box and score goals. So I don't see them as direct replacements, but I'm not sure in world football where you'd find one. Um, but in terms of age profile and potential, then you could put an argument together that not that they're an upgrade on Gundogan, but they are a logical replacement. Okay, I can, I'm enjoying watching Spencer's facial uh, reaction. I to want to congratulate saying, so. Sarah because that was uh, an excellent response in the face of unreasonable questioning. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Spencer. I'm always glad to be on this show with you. <laughs> Anything to add, Spencer, about uh, this uh, life? About how great Sarah is? No, no, no please. No, we're, we're all, <laughs> well, um, we're no, all agreed on one thing then. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, we've swapped certainty for uncertainty, haven't we? In potential, um, but yeah, the age profile was just something that I was. We were all thinking as well, wasn't it? Three of our four signings. Um, I think I can't remember. I think Nunes is might be twenty six or something. But you know, they're all Doku and, and Guardiola, are obviously very young, um, and they're the future. Um, and much as we um, praise our travel winning team, um, it, the refresh is the is the thing that allows us to go forward and win future titles. Uh, and without taking uh, you know certain elements of risk and, and obviously recycling of players um, as we have done in the past, we're we're, we're not going to go forward. So I think we should embrace these new um, signings, give them all the potential, um, and, and and see where we go. All right, Sarah, you, you can kick us off on this one as you're obviously uh, leading this debate uh, this week. Uh, Cole Palmer, I guess you could argue there's kind of two points of view here. There's those kind of not quite good enough, good player, not really good enough to make it at City. We've done really well to get £45 million for him. It's kind of one side of the argument. The other is, what a player, what a boy, what a future and actually, it's a bit of a steal, and we're really disappointed we've lost him. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm oversimplifying, of course, as always, to make the point. Where, where do you sit on that argument? I've I've never been blown away by Palmer, but I also did think that he was the most likely of all the academy players that we've seen to step up in the way that Foden has done. And, you know, he's a lad from Withenshaw. He's been with the academy since the year dot. Uh, and, and much as we're making good money from selling players from the academy, and that's part of the business model, of course we always want to see one or two players, maybe not every season, but on a reasonably regular basis, make it into the first team. And if they're Mancunians and City fans, it just it warms the cockles of your heart, doesn't it? So on one level it was disappointing. I think my take on Palmer is um, I think City, I mean, like, you know, I'm getting, this is guesswork, but... When Sancho went, there was some disappointment because he was seen as an exciting academy player who had potential. He went to Borussia Dortmund and was setting the world alight. And I was a bit, I mean, I certainly was one of the City fans that thought, why have we got rid of him? He's playing brilliantly. 
I think what we're seeing now in terms of his relationship with Ten Hag, his sulking, I mean, I know this is all alleged and read, you know, what we're reading in the papers, but it it sounds to me like he's got, uh, potentially got an attitude problem. And I think Pep and others spotted that at an early stage and got rid. And I just wonder, I mean, again, it's all what we're reading in papers. We don't know whether it's true or not, but this story that Palmer allegedly laid down demands on Guardiola, whether he did or not, I don't know. But if he was throwing his weight around, I suspect some at the club, especially if Chelsea were going to hand over 45 million, thought, thank you very much, we'll have that. Um, so I, 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 all I can say, Nigel, is I'm not devastated that he's gone. But I think it's a shame that he's not fulfilled the potential that we hoped he would have as an academy product. Where do you sit, Spencer? Are you going to agree with Sarah again as you have all evening or are you going to have your own own point of view for a change? Um, oh, Sarah, I, I, I can't disagree with the word that you say. Um, no, I, look, my thing with Cole Palmer is um, he's only 19, isn't he? I mean, we, we, we do rush to um, sort of judgment on these players, still a teenager. Um, but I remember we were discussing a few podcasts ago about um, himself, uh, McAtee and Lewis and how we felt that the, the merits of these players were and Palmer was... Um, definitely a work in progress and had to show more. So, I mean, I don't know about everyone else, but I was absolutely gobsmacked that Chelsea of all teams uh, with their turnover and profile have signed him. Um, and I think they've taken a risk. I mean, they paid the same uh, money for him as Gabriel Jesus, uh, a player who personally I, I liked in his time at City. And to me, there's a, there's a, there's a world of difference between those two. Um, uh, so he's got everything to prove. Um, I'd be delighted if he is successful and he knocks the goals in and uh, and, and realises the potential. Um, but I think City have done the right thing to sell him. Um, and in, in the context of academy, um, we might go on to talk about this a bit more in a while. Um, but I think we, 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 we it's OK to rephrase our perceptions about the purposes of the academy um, and the, the the number of players that might ultimately break through to the first team. Uh, because 45 million for Cole Palmer at 19 is fantastic business. And uh, I think this did the right thing to sell him. It's a good stat, isn't it, Stato, that uh, same price as Gabriel Jesus for Cole Palmer? Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is. And I'm afraid I'm not going to disagree with the, the other two either. I agree. I think 45 million, once I heard the price, I, I, I jokingly said, is the decimal point missing from it? Now, of course, it's worth more than 4.5 million. But I thought 45 million, you can't refuse that. Um, he's got potential. He's had his opportunities with City. He's never cemented down a, a full a first team place. He's played bits and pieces, did very well in the Super Cup and played a good part in the Community Shield. 
But he's had opportunities before that as well. I didn't quite see him coming along as Phil Foden did when he was given the opportunities. So I was. I hope he does well, but I can see why City sold him, and I totally support it. I hope he does uh, as a successful as he can be without winning trophies for Chelsea, because that means he's preventing us from winning trophies. Spencer, you mentioned the academy, and uh, I guess you're referring to kind of the business side of the academy of bringing these guys through and selling them on. What, what's your view? What was the point you were trying to make? Well, I mean, I, I hadn't honestly realised until that um, article came out uh, that, that City had sold £442 million worth of academy talent uh, since 2016, since Pep uh, joined City, which is unbelievable, really. And then you read down the whole list of uh, players. I mean, I, I would top it up more than £100 million of the players under £10 million. Uh, not all of the names that I recognised. Um, and then you look at, obviously, Cole Palmer at the top of that list. Um, Kelechi, you know, he was sold for £25 million. Obviously, he had a certain profile at City before he was sold. Jaden Sancho, we ended up, on this list anyway, making £21.2 million after adding in the um, the Man United sort of sell-on terms. So, you know, this is this is good business. Um, and um, I think at one time, the purpose of the academy was seen as, if you like, um, as a feeder, such that, you know, two or three homegrown um, uh, players might, you know, might make it to the first team. Um, but I think, you know, in an environment where uh, I was picking up that we had 10 Varsity Academy players in the under twenty three team uh, that, that, uh, for the Luxembourg match. Um, I think it's it's legitimate to you know if you like uh, not bemoan the fact that only one two or three might ever make it through to the first team, um, but see it as um as a sort of talent pool and resource of its own merit. Um, and uh, and certainly um, good players will 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 ultimately make it through like like Foden. Um, potentially Enrico Lewis and others. Um, but it's a fantastic uh, testament to the quality of the project um, that City have undertaken since, um, you know, since the Abu Dhabi ownership came in. And I think I think all power to them. And that is an incredibly successful academy um, and contributes to the fact that City are way down the league table of net spenders in the last 10 years, you know, and you put that alongside the success and you say, this is just fantastic um, stewardship of our of our wonderful football club. Simple as that. I mean, we've talked in the past a lot about the project, as I like to call it, um, the the employment of local people. That now we know the grounds being developed as well, the the women's team and the success on the pitch. Um, with now the sort of treble as well. I mean, it just goes from strength to strength. And kind of you you think about us, and uh, there's a few few grey hairs on this podcast uh, this week. Um, some with no hair at all. Um, and you know, we go back to those days where we just Stato just helped me here, sort of get my head around this. That you know, we are talking about you know, dominating world football because you know, we're going to be talking in a few weeks' time about a club competition in Saudi Arabia that's going to potentially make us you know, the best team, best, best club team in the world. We've just won the Champions League. Uh, Spencer's just done a brilliant job in terms of sort of helping us understand. Know, the academy and so on it just it really is it's almost it's almost unbelievable and we use that word a lot but it genuinely is almost unbelievable it would have been unbelievable just a few years ago when you and I started watching our club well you go back to blessing the Peter Swales era TV uh, salesman and he, he wanted to do his best for the city let's not beat about the bush but he and um, football was a different game in those days in some of the financials that were involved and it's a lot of big money now but the strategic 
methodology that City have clearly employed since 2008, getting the top people in to run the club, not just uh, the manager with Pep, but um, with all the people that surround him, the CEO, the COO, all the people at the top of that club have got a strategy that says, this is the way we're going to run, not just City's first team, but the under-18s, the under-21s, the ladies' team as well, and it's all coming together. And that means to me, yes, when Pep does eventually leave, which we'll all be really upset about, but he will leave at some point, let's not, it's hopefully a number of years, that they've got the right strategy to get the, the management lined up to come in and continue the development of where we're up to. It might be odd hiccup there, here and there, and we won't be as successful, but we will be at the top. We're not going away anytime soon. And we know football goes in cycles, but I think we've just set the groundwork at the club to be there or thereabouts for the next 10 or 20 years, unless there's some major catastrophe that um, that hits the club that we're unaware of. Um, we'll see. And as a fan for you, Sarah, what is it that gives you most pleasure uh, in the few, few the handful of years you've been a City fan, being so much younger than my other two guests this week? <laughs> Well, I've only known the glory days, Nigel, as you know. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> look, I mean, you know, winning is addictive. Winning trophies is, uh, uh, contrary to what some Guardian writers think, we will never get bored of winning trophies or get find it joyless. Um, so, uh, you know, like every City fan, this is amazing and we're loving it and um, we, we don't want it to stop. And and just one quick point based on picking up on what um, Paul just said. I agreed with all of that. And I, I think what's really powerful about the City model is that a lot of football clubs bring in a manager to change the culture. Uh, there's an example not that far from us. Actually, City have established a culture and a way of operating and they will bring in a manager to work within that culture and that way of operating, not to change it. So it will be quite a limited number of candidates that will be suitable. But I think that gives it, it gives the model a, a power that a lot of other football clubs haven't got because we, we hopefully are not going to go through a cycle of chopping and changing. I mean, you know, we only have to look at the red, uh, uh, the red scum to see what happened as soon as Ferguson went and everything was embodied in him as a manager they've not been able to replicate it. And as much as Guardiola is absolutely integral to what we're enjoying, he's he's not bigger than the culture and the way of operating of the club. And that, I think, bodes well. It certainly does. Yes, Spencer. I, I do think uh, I agree with everything that... that sorry, just said. Keep going. Always. <laughs> I, I do think that there will be a pivot point in the future because the tightness between... Uh, Pep, uh, Ferran Soriano and, and Chiki Bagiristan, so tight in terms of relationship, you know, uh, the restaurant, all the rest of it. Um, I do think when Pep leaves, I, I do wonder when when those other two, uh, it might be the end of an era for City, you know, and then there might be a completely new management team and structure coming in. So the true test will be, you know, how does that legacy then build from there? Um, but, you know, in the meantime, you know, we might look back and think we are now at right at our, at our optimal mix of the whole structure. Um, hopefully not. And hopefully it will continue on many years into the future. Um, but but we, we must really enjoy what we're, what we're going through right now because it's uh, it's excellent. Just looking back um, in the next podcast, I'm doing a special one off. Uh, I'm going to be interviewing the great Alex Williams. 
Um, so look out for that one coming coming to a screen or a, an iPhone uh, near you very soon. Uh, Stato, I'm going to come to you first. You're kind of in preparation for that. Your, your reflections, your thoughts on, on Big Alex, who, of course, has probably done more than most uh, if you talk about both on and off the field for Manchester City, of course, in, in the, the role that he's giving up after, I think, 33 years. Yeah, I, th- I think we've got the greatest respect for Alex Williams. He was the first team keeper, I think it was the mid-80s. I think he was first choice for about two or three seasons. Uh, it wasn't the great, great glory days for City at, at that period in time. But he was a steady goalkeeper. Um but he's done a fantastic piece of work. I think he got injured, and that's why his career was cut short. Uh, but he's done a fantastic work since then when he came back to City for the community building and helping out locally. And I, I know he's got a lot of respect from both City fans, people in Manchester, uh, and around the country as well. I think he is, I think he's an MBE. I think he got awarded for all his work, something like that. So clearly a very dedicated individual who gave a lot of his life to Manchester City. Of course, he got paid for it as well, but that's beside the point. He, he, he's got Manchester City in his blood as well, which we always like to hear and talk about. So good luck to him and uh, enjoy the interview. No, I'm looking forward to it very much. You're absolutely right. Uh, he got his MBE for, for what he's done for the community in particular. Uh, Spencer, your, your reflections on, on Alex? Yeah, I mean, I think part of the time you might correct me um on, on or stato or, or Nigel might correct me um he was understudy to joe corrigan for quite a few years wasn't he i think um and so um joe was certainly the goalkeeper hero of, certainly in, in my uh, in my time so he didn't i didn't really get much opportunity to see him actually play uh, to be honest um but certainly he was he was a, a city stalwart um and my my own personal um sort of um smart you know sort of memory and reminiscence was a few years ago when 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 the trains city and the city went from london to manchester for some of the champions league games and, and alex was on it you know going up and down and he was sort of bemoaning sort of past and present with the finances um and he's you know and he's, he looked at me you know he sort of and says well like you know you know that's why i'm on the train sort of thing you know? <laughs> but he said it with a in a very laconic you know sort of jovial um sort of manner um and um absolute gentleman and a great ambassador for city and sarah what did your granddad tell you about uh, alex's playing days obviously you clearly would not remember him at all well, actually, Nigel, I'll have you know that I've met Alex, and uh, he's he's a very he's a lovely, lovely bloke, um, as I'm sure you know, because you know everybody in connected with City. But um, actually, I, I I mean just just to add to what Spencer and Paul have said, because I think given him a suitable tribute. But I just want to also make um, the point around the fact that he was a black goalkeeper at a time when black goalkeepers were virtually non-existent. Black players were fairly limited the racism in football was rife um and yet he made a successful career he was a decent goalkeeper um and he's now continued to have a a, a really you know productive career with City post his playing career so I think any black players that made a go of it in the 80s and uh, when they were dealing with the race and I mean in a way a goalkeeper's more vulnerable to racism than most of the outfield players aren't they with a baying crowd stood behind you so um I, I think that he, he deserves that does, does, deserves a special mention because I think that was an additional factor that he had to address in in making sure he was successful as a football player 
I think you're absolutely right. And it's obviously on my list of things to ask him about. I think I think it's really important to get his his spin on that. And you're absolutely right. Stood in the goal with I don't know, say the cop behind you or whoever it was behind you. That could not have been an easy time. And you make a mistake. You know, keepers' mistakes tend to be sort of magnified, don't they, as well, particularly. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because I say maybe on the pitch wasn't a great year. I think it was more the early 80s, Stato, actually, I think is when he kind of, uh, he sort of got himself into the side and only played a few seasons, as you say. But it's really the work he's done off the field, which has been absolutely revolutionary for so many people and he's changed so many lives. I think he's a real, real, uh, a real hero of mine. And uh, he was also chairman of the Junior Blues for a while as well, of course, which I will throw into the pot as well, which shouldn't go not mentioned either. So there we are. Uh, Let's look forward before we go to the mighty West Ham United, top four European champions. Um, Clearly, um, they've got a nosebleed up there at the moment, I would think. David Moyes still in charge. Um, Your thoughts ahead of that game then, Spencer? Well, um, uh, I mean, I was remembering back to last season when Harlan knocked in a couple, didn't he, on, in the first game. Um, and we, we seemed to do quite well at, at, uh, at the London Stadium. Um, so I don't want to, to uh, prophesy that we'll do differently this time. Um, but they've been playing some good football, West Ham. Uh, and um, they don't seem to be missing Declan Rice too much. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out. But... Uh, I certainly think um, City uh, should go into that game with a lot of confidence uh, and I'm hoping Nunes makes his debut uh, and I'll look forward to the game. Stato, your thoughts ahead of this one? As Spencer said, City will go in with a lot of confidence, but I think West Ham will as well. Uh, They've got 10 points out of the 12 available, so three wins and a draw. Uh, They had a tough match at Brighton, but they clearly were the better team. They, They won easily at the end of the day. I think it'll be a tough assignment on on Saturday at uh, the London Stadium. Yes, we've got a good record there, but I think this might be a slightly different West Ham team. I think uh, it would have been better to play them once the European season had kicked off because then they'll be playing uh, midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend like we are used to, but they're not used to that. Uh, But we've got to take it, and this will be perhaps our toughest challenge to date um, since Newcastle was a home game. I think this will be a challenge. But I'm optimistic that we'll we'll sneak it. It will be a challenge, and I'm I'm a bit like Spencer. I'm surprised they have not. They don't appear to miss Declan Rice quite as much as they have with the the points tally they've got already, Sarah. Well, there's even a school of thought that getting rid of Declan Rice has freed West Ham to play the attractive and vibrant football that their fans are enjoying at the moment. I I, I don't argue that. I'm just it's just a point of view, isn't it? Similarly with Spurs and getting rid of Kane. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the, the guys are spot on. It's not an easy game. I mean, I always reassure myself with West Ham, partly that we have a loving with them so they won't be horrible to us. And secondly, that David Moyes is not a tactical genius. So um, I I hope that he, in trying to figure out a way to get round Pep, he makes a bit of a mess of it and allows us to... Um, win the game but I, I have to say I, I would be happy with a point on Saturday I mean of course I want us to win but I think if we get a point in a reasonably tough away game this early in the season I think we should take it so I'm not hopefully Pet will be back as well so that will help Pet will be back yeah yeah so be interesting game I think okay so obviously Spencer's going to agree with Sarah with, with a point Paul what's your uh, what's your prediction then for uh, the West Ham game I know that those two will be agreeing and the, that loving will continue for weeks to come I suspect I'm looking forward to it I feel like the outsider here um, I love you Paul oh thank you Nigel that, that reassures me um, I'll go 
2-1 City, but I would take a draw, to be honest. Right, a draw it is then. This has been an absolute pleasure and a joy, particularly to have my good friend Sarah Messenger, um, her new main man, Spencer Debson, and Stato Paul Denby. This is Nigel Rothland saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.